Hello, and welcome to the Sapiens Insurance 360 podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jamie Yoder, Sapiens North America President and General Manager. So glad you're tuned in today. This is where we discuss the latest uh, latest trends, news, and issues from across the insurance landscape uh, with solutions and, and technology. And, uh, you know, today we're going to be discussing, you know, I think the hottest topic out there, the impact of artificial intelligence and uh, on the future of insurance. And I'm particularly thrilled to have an exceptional guest joining us today uh, for, for this discussion. Dr. Anand Rao, uh, he's uh, currently uh, the Distinguished Professor of Applied Data Science and Artificial Intelligence at the Carnegie Mellon, and uh, most recently was the uh, Global AI Lead at PwC. Honored to say he's also a longtime colleague and my co-creator and, and uh, lead for the Future Insurance Research. And uh, just as a little highlight, you know, Anand he has over 35 years of industry and, and consulting experience advising C-level execs on, on AI. And, uh, you know, not to go into all of it, but, you know, he's recognized as one of the uh, top 50 data and analytics professionals in U.S. and Canada, as one of the top 50 professionals in InsureTech, one of the top 25 tech leaders in consulting, uh, and has won the number of awards for his academic and business papers, uh, including the most, most influential paper award for the decade, in 2007 from the Autonomous Agents and Multi-Agent Systems Organization. So, uh, Anand, I mean, clearly you've earned the right to talk to everyone on, on uh, what's really happened with AI. And I think the most intriguing thing is um, you don't just talk about it. You, you've, you've implemented this in many organizations and in many areas. And a big part of your remit at, uh, at Carnegie Mellon now is really to teach the operationalizing AI in the institutions. So, um, welcome, and it's such a great privilege to have you here. Thank you very much, Jamie, for having me, and it's been a pleasure joining you again after, I don't know, six, seven years at PwC, joining you now. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, excellent. Well, let's jump in. I think uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, I think, you know, this is something we clearly could spend uh, and, and have spent years on. Uh, and so, uh, we, you know, we're going to hit this, just hit the highlights um, but, you know, a topic that's clearly at the forefront of, of every industry, but particularly insurance, right? Such an information intensive uh, business is, uh, is AI. And, you know, I think largely when we look more broadly, it's really about how you unlock the potential of digital and what that really means to insurance organizations, you know, and how that's fundamentally changing, you know, all facets of, you know, across the value chain. You know, to start off, and you know, talks a little bit about um, you know some of the five waves of, of digital and what that really means. Uh, I'd love to get some of your your take on on what those changes really are and how we think of it more broadly. Yeah, this is a great question, Jamie. As you know, I mean, we have been involved in the digital transformation for 20, 25 years at least, uh, and digital transformation means different things to different people. And also, I think, to be fair, it has also evolved, right? So what was digital in the late 90s and the killer apps and uh, the dot-com era versus then the internet, smartphones, and the digital has been changing as well. So more recently, I've been thinking about this whole digital transformation in literally successive waves of digital. Uh, so I think the first wave to me is very much the digitization, Um so that's the first way where all kinds of processes, whether they are physical processes or decision processes um, in insurance, in every other industry sector, has been digitized. So converted into zeros and ones so that we can start reasoning with them, start, start uh, 
analyzing them. So that's the first wave. And this has been going on for quite some time. I think most organizations are still doing digitization, but I would say most of it is behind uh, what they've been doing. So there's still at the manufacturing level and so on, there's probably still digitization happening with IoT, industrial IoT and so on. So with the digitization comes the era of big data. So lots and lots of data, volume of data, velocity of data, variety of data, all of those things that people talk about. So that's a sort of the second wave and so on was the sort of the second wave. Then we started seeing with more data, I think we can take one of two paths. When you have lots and lots of data, what you start doing is start standardizing the processes, start simplifying them. When you start standardize and simplify, you uh, automatically go and automate them. And we saw a number of businesses doing that. So really impacting the bottom line. So cost savings, productivity improvements, so that's what the automation wave gave you. And at just because you have lots of data doesn't mean that you need to go to the lowest common denominator and simplify and automate. You can go the other direction, as we have seen a number of companies do, is start personalizing uh, the experience, whether it is your agent experience, customer experience, claims experience, any of those experience can be personalized. And then there's also a parallel process that happens in analytics, which uh, uh, Kelly, Kevin Kelly from Wired calls it cognification. So as you get that, so you start cognifying the, the domain expertise of people. And that's the analytics wave that we have seen improving experience, better uh, uh, revenue, better stickiness and so on, obviously leading to the top line growth of revenues and margins. Now, both these waves then lead on to the fifth wave, which is basically the AI wave that's been coming. And as you said, it probably is a tsunami. So just to recap, the five waves are digitization, big data, automation, analytics, and AI. Yeah, no, absolutely, right? It's something that, you know, you and I spoke a lot about and we've, we've written about in the past. And it's this whole notion, you know, it's almost the bionic organization, how these things collectively operate and how does an organization adapt and evolve to, to pull the, all of those pieces together, the automation and the augmentation, right? So, yes. you know, a yeah, lot of what's, right. what's happening with AI around and, and Gen AI really happening around the how it, how it sort of partners with with the individuals to get more and more out of, you know, get more out of the people, right? Yeah, uh, that's right, yeah. That's why I think the analogy of waves make a lot of sense. So just as one wave is receding, the other is coming, and then the other one gets wrapped up with the earlier wave and becomes bigger, right? So yeah. there's this sort of constant flow of uh, ebb and flow of the waves. So how do you see these affecting broadly, you know, really the future of insurance? Yeah, that's... Um, uh, again, as we have worked through, Jamie, over the past decade or more, tend to look at the the impact of uh, all of this digital on insurance in sort of at least two big buckets. One is sort of more, I would say, transformative changes, and the other one is more disruptive changes. So when you look at transformative changes, whether it is uh, PNC or life annuity or even reinsurance, you're seeing every aspect of each of these sectors, uh, the value chain change and AI analytics, all these five waves that we talked about impacting them. So let's just take some very specific examples. If you look at agent experience uh, or an advisor experience in the life and annuity side. So now you have ways in which you can quote unquote cognify or make 
the systems, yeah, the AI systems capture the domain expertise of people. So we have people in the industry, what, 20, 30 years uh, experienced advisors have been doing this for, for their entire life and capturing that experience and making that better for some of the junior people coming into the, the, the workforce, the agent force or the, the advisor folks. So that's just one way in which these technologies are, as you said earlier, augmenting what an agent could be doing with a better experience that also provides consistency. So again, regulators are happy because you're, you're essentially bringing a consistent level of service, well-documented, and it gets the expertise of the people. And we have seen a number of early uh, views around how generative AI is essentially pulling up the average for all of the, the, the entry-level people. Well, how do I actually now apply it and what do I do, right? So from an underwriter level or at an agent, right? You've talked in the past about, you know, this really being like an answer engine, right? So how, how does this really sort of help you? I, one of the things you know, we did at a, our customer summit in Europe recently was, was look at Gen AI around just how to look at coverage gaps and to what, what am I covered for? What am I not covered for? And then trigger trigger that into some operational process. Right. So, yeah. um, and the same thing on the claim side, summarize yeah. claims files exactly, and, and yeah. really pull out all that insights across all that yeah. unstructured data. Yeah, so exactly, uh, yeah. Wonder- Customer experience and, and uh, exactly. claims experience, I mean, everything sort of changes. Yeah, and you mentioned a second piece to that, a second bucket, yeah. and that's the disruptive. Yes. Uh, on, the, on the disruptive side, again, let's just take the PNC side. So I know at least a few companies had promised that there'll be autonomous vehicles on the road by 2022. Last I checked, it's 2023 now and still not truly fully autonomous vehicles. But I think we've still got a long way in terms of autopilot technology, assisted driver, driver-assisted vehicles and so on. So what I think is happening, and it'll be a much more of a, a slow uh, adoption is this whole notion of autonomous vehicles or assisted uh, driver-assisted vehicles. And these things, I think, will start changing the way we look at insurance. And I know we have speculated in the past uh, about how the uh, auto insurance might become, not that you don't need auto insurance, it's just that the auto insurance might become more of a business insurance as opposed to a consumer insurance. If more and more of the vehicles are, just as they have, 50,000 mile warranty or 100,000 mile warranty, they might start including uh, no accidents for the 100,000 miles, 200,000 miles. So, and they'll be covering the accidents as the number of incidents fall. There is some truth to that and some studies that are being shown that the number of accidents uh, reduce, right? So the frequency of those accidents reduce. So we could see a future where more and more of the risk gets taken out and then the risk gets packaged by the manufacturer. So you might have the large auto manufacturers doing deals with the large insurers and insuring all of their autonomous, semi-autonomous vehicles. So that changes, if you like, a way in which um, uh, insurance would work on the auto side. Again, we are seeing the same thing on the trucking side, on the commercial auto side. Right? So again, still early days, but that could be very disruptive the way auto insurance works. Um, another example, I know we have worked on it and sort of still early days, I would say, is on the commercial side, especially on the industrial. We've always looked, is, is there a catastrophic event? How do we prevent that event or how do we insure for that event and how do we cover the losses? And I think we are moving from that to much more of a 
preventative or a risk mitigation approach. So with the IoT, industrial IoT and all the sensors coming in, uh, you can start analyzing, doing predictive maintenance and then preventing or, or uh, essentially extending the life of these systems. So essentially the risk managers, the, the insurer becomes a risk manager and a risk mitigator as opposed to an underwriter. So right. that also I, could be a big impact. And I think what's interesting, right, it's like, you know, it's like most innovations. It, it's not that the models didn't exist. The power and what's the technology that's possible allows you to amplify and alter the possibilities of it, right? right? So, yep. you know, risk management and risk prevention has always been a fundamental d- discipline and rigor of, of, of you know, commercial, commercial carriers and insurers broadly. It's the opportunity to do that in a much broader aperture in a much deeper way I yeah. think is where it really becomes powerful, right? So That's just, right. just as you said, I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we've talked to this before. If I think of, you know, the simple equation of the customer's outcome, right, equals that those things they can control yep. for, right? The deterministic plus the, the, the things that are out of their control, the probabilistic. Yeah. And That's IoT, right. all that codification and what, what you talked about with, uh, with the cognification, the ability to put more in the control, be more deterministic, allows you to, and probabilistic is what, you know, insurance is covered for. It's kind of like, I, I want to control your productivity, your outcome backstop by capital for the role that insurance, you know, has always played, but it looking that in tandem to increase the effectiveness uh, of the customer and that of that's their right, yeah. total outcome. Yeah. And I think that's a, a real powerful, you know, essentially formula you can think about across all the, all the different lines of business. Um, yeah. And, all and the to that point, uh, Jamie, so one of the, the, the more recent things over the past six months, what's happened to your point around the technology has existed, but now I think it is being democratized, especially on the AI side, it's being democratized more. So again, with the generative AI large language models, instead of starting everything from scratch, what the community or the AI community is now saying is, hey, everyone doesn't need to be a deep learning expert. We have done the work and it's available. Now you can build on top of it, right? So that level of modularity and democratization, I think, is really going to help insurers. Uh, you might be a claims expert or underwriting expert, but with some help from the IT or the data science, you can build much more sophisticated systems than in the past. So that's, I think, is a major change over the past six months is this whole democratization process. Well, and the pace of that change, yep. right? There's new things, new new models, new variations, new things that are coming out. But, you know, along that line, right, getting to the heart of it. So that's a couple of the, the sort of the uses of, you know, AI, where, where it fits. But even going more deeply, if you will, the, you know, how do you see other sort of aspects of the, the full role of, of AI, both traditional and gen AI, um, in, in that context? Yeah. So um, what's happening over the past, I think a couple of years, it's not really just um, just November when, when things were released, but it's been going on for at least five, six years, the whole notion of deep learning, transformer models, and uh, the open data that has been available, all of that has essentially been uh, uh, gaining more momentum. So uh, to answer your question, I would address the generative AI first. Now, what we are seeing is, I mean, everyone is familiar with an IT stack and that has all evolved over the past couple of decades with the, with the storage and compute and the data layer on top of it, the application layer, and, and then the channels and so on. So the IT stack has, has evolved. Now, the more recent evolution of that 
I would say it's the convergence of software, software applications with data and AI models, machine learning models. So that's what's sort of happening now that all three of them are coming together. And now we are seeing uh, literally a three-layered model architecture being sandwiched between your data and your application systems. And what that is essentially doing at the base layer are what some people call as foundation models or large language models. So these are models that some of the big tech companies are already creating with externally available public level data. And we see a number of those. So some of them are open. Some of them are obviously tied to the technology platform. And that will evolve. So that is the base layer, if you like, a foundation layer. Now, I think there are already uh, quite a lot of investment, as you said, is coming into the next layer, which is very sector specific. So this is where I think for insurers, uh, for example, on the legal world, people are essentially taking these large language models and building uh, legal large language models sitting on top of it. And when you have start having legal, then you can start for the claims uh, and insurance, you can start building a claims model on top of it. You can do it by country, you can do it by corporate versus consumer and so on, right? So you start building these large language models then that can then be used by many insurers. So there are still companies that are investing and building in these claims models, underwriting models, same thing in the, the healthcare domain. So that's a sector-specific model. Then you come to the third layer, which is very much a company-specific layer, right? So as sapiens, you want to use the claims model specifically with respect to your claims policies, your customers, and your products. And that's the last layer that gets tweaked. So by the time you get the other two layers, it's pretty much, I would say, 70, 80% done, and you have to spend the time only in that last layer. And even there, there are tools coming in. So that, I think, is a very fundamental change. So most of it is going to be done by the tooling that you're going to see coming through in the next couple of years. And then companies will start focusing on their proprietary layer. I think that's a big change from a generative AI perspective. And I think the traditional AI is borrowing some of these as well. So now we are seeing the notion of knowledge graphs, so graph analysis, so insurers have used that for claims fraud, for example. All of that is now combining with the large language models so that you have the explanations from the knowledge graphs and you have much better robustness and learning from the large language model. So you're seeing the traditional AI also morph a little bit and borrowing some of the old techniques and then marry it with the new techniques. And those are some of the things that we are seeing, how to use large language models for reasoning, acting, just as we had rule-based underwriting. Instead of that, you'll have tree of thought-based underwriting, but with large language models, right? So you're seeing the hybrid uh, version of these sort of generative and traditional architectures coming together as well. So really exciting phase over the next decade or so, we're going to see more and more of this uh, kind of stack emerge. Yeah, no, it's 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 fascinating, right? I, I mean, I always talked about this transformation. It's and you've covered it, right? It's you know, transformation is about change, right? And so it's changing the way you engage. You talked about examples with agents. It's obviously customers, right? Sort of this answer engine mindset, changing the way the work is done, right? How underwriters, you know, how they tap into it and claims claims handling, and right, the, both the automation and and the augmentation as you can get more more and more sophisticated and more and more applicable to it. And it's also about changing the way the work is done, right? So changing the way you change. You know, these things also apply to how, how we're building the technology and, and how we're deploying it. And the pace of that change is just, you know, staggering, right? It's, 
Um, you know, I've always seen, it's always felt that it is accelerating and now, you know, it's tough to keep up with and, but it's uh, a wonderful uh, opportunity. So now, you know, so incredibly interesting, right. In our, in our practical level, right. Insurers are obviously looking at this and, and obviously one of the things that, uh, that uh, what you've done and what you're teaching on is around operationalizing AI, right. To sort of get the full return on, on a lot of these investments and this activity, what should insurers look at? How do they actually go about this? Yeah. Um, I think, as we know, Jamie, it's sort of relatively new, the notion of building machine learning models and using it. And I would say at least until three, four years back, maybe five years back, the modus operandi for all large insurers and for for any company has been, hey, let's build a model, let's collect the data, let's build a model, let's test it out and see whether it's useful or not, right? So it's very much it's like an artisan, right? So it's much more of a craft rather than uh, a really industrial process. Now, what people noticed is that's all great, but you're really not getting the adoption of some of these tools beyond the half a dozen, dozen people that we are they're using the model. Uh, so you really need to scale this so that literally all your agents are using this. All customers are using your chatbot, right? So there's a level of scaling where you're going from few tens of people to uh, thousands, hundreds and thousands, and even millions of people. So that's where I think this operationalizing AI has essentially come to the fore, just as the software industry evolved to become more of an engineering discipline with software engineering, now, people are talking about AI evolving more from craftsman kind of a cottage industry to really a factory model. And that's where the uh, the engineering or AI engineering is coming into the fore, where we really need to look for practices, disciplines, tools, techniques that can do the scaling. And that's where just as software engineering evolves, so we are looking at AI engineering evolving by combining some of the engineering our practices, so dev operations or development and operations together, continuous integration, continuous delivery of software. So early days in the, the 90s, you had to shut down the system, uh, do a patch, do an update, and then release it, right? So the system will be quote-unquote down for maybe an hour, a couple of hours, and if things don't go well, it may be down for a day. Now, none of those things happen. So people are continuously updating their software and they're doing it for the software. So now we are talking about doing it for the models. So the models are also going to be not only continuously on, but continuously learning. And that's where the power of the system comes in. Um, So just as you are uh, doing the underwriting of the customer experience, and again, we all have that experience on the retail side, uh, when you go into a retail electronic side, so the, the website gets updated, the recommendations are very much fresh based on what people are searching, what you have searched. So similar kind of experience coming into insurance and other areas. So that's what operationalizing AI is. It's essentially automating everything from the start to not just building the model, but deploying it at hundreds and thousands of levels, monitoring the model, making sure that the model is performing within certain criteria and even retiring the model so that entire model life cycle or AI life cycle is what this engineering is addressing. So the people pro- part of it, process part of it, and of course the technology part of it all coming together. So that's where 
this operationalizing AI is coming in and I know many of the, the leading insurers are already doing some of these things and deploying these models. Now it's in more in the tens and a few of them have got hundreds of models deployed. And I think this is just going to continue just as you have software, you're going to have hundreds of models deployed doing very specific things. No, it's excellent. I mean, that's certainly a topic that deserves tons more time and in-depth discussion. And uh, hopefully we, we can have a follow-up to go to much more in-depth on that. But, you know, switch the gears a little bit and sort of flip to the other side of it. So we've talked about all the great opportunities, right? But there's probably just as much noise and, and uh, buzz out there about the risks uh, of AI and, and what that can mean. So what do you see as the potential risk of AI? Yeah. No, it's it's interesting in the in the AI world. It's always been not only the opportunities on one side. There is a this whole group of people talking about risks, and of course, as insurers, we like risk. Yes, yeah, so as insurers, risk is not necessarily a bad word. It's actually good for us, right? So if there is risk in the market, we look at hey, how do I reduce the risk? How do I mitigate the risk? So from an insurance perspective, the risk is also an opportunity. But of course, for the, the, the rest of the world, it's, it's, uh, it's something to mitigate and avoid. And, and that risk actually comes in in different forms. Um, I would say, uh, again, there are some concerns and, and I mean, some, some leading technologists and scientists have talked about uh, the existential threat to humanity uh, with AI. I think that's a little bit further away. There's, there's nothing wrong in a few people uh, looking at some of those issues and how do we prevent them. But we're concerned much more about what is happening today, here and now. And that I would break it down into a sort of a three specific categories. So risks which are very application-specific risks, right? So you build a chatbot, you build an underwriting system. What are some of the things that can go wrong uh, when, you, when you build that? What are those risks? Then there's an enterprise-wide risk that, that comes in. So as you start using more and more of the AI, there's maybe a reliance more on the automation as opposed to you taking independent decisions, individual decisions, being able to stand behind. So there's an enterprise-wide risk that you need to be cognizant of. And then, then of course, there is, you can't deny that there are societal risks. When there is more automation, there are going to be job losses of certain kinds, right? So not everyone is going to be uh, replaced, but there's going to be more augmentation, but definitely there's going to be some job losses in certain categories. So we look at these risks in sort of all these three categories, and especially at the application level, there could be risks around bias. So you're training a model, let's say, uh, with your data in Midwest, let's say just take flood insurance in the Midwest. That's great. You're using a model. It's been very effective in the Midwest region. Now, you can't take the same model and take it to Florida and say, hey, I've got done, I've done everything. I've got a model Midwest on flood insurance. I'm going to use the same thing in Florida. It may or may not work, and more likely it will not work given the, the situation in Florida uh, or, or anywhere in the South. So you need to get new data. You still have the original model, but you need to get the new data, train, retrain. So that, those are some of the things where your model might be biased with respect to specific data sets, the way it is built, uh, the history, and when you got the data, all of that. So I think you need to be much more cognizant about bias, explainability, transparency, safety. There's a whole host of these kinds of risks that people talk about. And that I think you need to be, as an insurer, if you're building some of these things, you need to be cognizant of making sure that you're addressing all of those things. So we look at process and the well, 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 um, 
research topic around governance. So people are used to data governance. Now you start looking at model governance. So hey, who should be involved? Who should be making the decisions? At what point in time when they scope the project, when they build it, when they deploy it, all of those things, right? So just the basic hygiene and that's evolving as well, right? So, and as insurers adopt them, then I think you can mitigate many of these risks. You can't avoid all of them, but you can mitigate. And the last thing I wanted to mention, as I said earlier, risk is also an attractive proposition. There are a number of companies that are really worried about AI, AI risk. And um, now there are a number of uh, organizations that are coming up with ways of quantifying this risk, whether it is bias, fairness, explainability, and so on. So now there's an emerging opportunity for can we underwrite AI risk um, and how can we do that and how different or similar is it to, for example, cyber risk. So deep fakes is one of the things that AI has, has brought in, but it's also related to cyber. So there is a there's an overlap between cyber risk and AI risk and is AI risk uh, essentially an AI risk insurance becoming a separate line on its own, potentially. Uh, it could happen, right? So there are opportunities for insurers as well as they think about AI risk. Yeah, no, I I, I love it. It's a topic near and dear to my heart, right? So I, I mean, I love all the different specialty lines and all the all the disruption that's happening in every industry is obviously, you know, we used to use this as a way to really attract talent to insurance. It's it's every disruption thing change happening out in other industries is relevant to insurers and really being at the fore of, of those innovations. Because that risk can be underwritten and yes, you yeah. can do some really exciting things. And something podcast is going to be on on really the specialty space. How do you build distinctiveness at speed and scale? How do you facilitate you know products for things like that? So I love that little notion. I think it's a great thing to, to end on, sort of you know, a fun note uh, to end on. But Nan, thank you so much, right? It, you know, as I said earlier, we could spend days, months, have spent years uh, discussing AI and, and working on solutions in that space. And there's only great things to come for the insurance industry and, and beyond. You let off with about the waves of, of change, the sort of the five waves. And I think the interesting, the notion I would add to that is, is a gigantic boulder has just been dropped into, into the water. So those those waves are moving faster and, and, and higher uh, than, than, than ever. So, but all, as you said, folding in each one of them. So, so exciting times for us. Uh, so really, really appreciate you spending some valuable time and your efforts at, at Carnegie Mellon. And, and I have an opportunity to continue to work with you as, as you, uh, I think, build the great minds of, you know, for the future. Uh, so thank you. And, and thanks again to all our listeners for joining us today on this segment. We've got more coming. So please be sure to tune in next time for, on uh, Sapiens Insurance 360. 